Amen. Again, our, our scripture um, will be Psalm 88. Please open back to Psalm 88. And for the sake of time and uh, for the sake of your attention, I only read verse 1. But I want to now read the entire chapter up through verse 18. Um, and that's so that we can uh, fully grasp the tone with which this psalm was written. Um, I want to encourage you as we read it um, to, to tune in fully and, um, again, just feel the weight um, of this psalm, of Psalm 88. And as we open it, um, without question, you should be able to, um, to interpret the feeling and the tone with which Psalm 88 um, is speaking. So, Psalm 88, beginning with verse 1, all the way through verse 18. This is God's word. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength. Like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. Selah. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eye grows dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Selah. Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness or your righteousness in a land of forgetfulness? But I, O oh Lord, cry to you. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. O oh Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I am helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. You have caused me, you have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. Uh, quickly, let's pray. God, uh, our Father, we, we bow now and we ask for your help in this time as we open up your word to hear from you, God, we pray that we will hear from you. Um, exalt yourself, exalt your son, and uh, bless us in this time. Open our ears to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Psalm 88, um, the psalm that we have just read, is um, a dark psalm. I challenged you to catch the tone of that psalm. And without question, it is a dark psalm. It is filled with hopelessness. There is no hint of light at the end of the tunnel in what is Psalm 88. 
unlike the other Psalms. In fact, the final word of this very Psalm, as we read in verse 18, depending on your translation, but the literal translation and, the tra and as translated here in the ESV, the, the very last word literally is darkness. There's no hope, no light, just darkness. So what is this psalm doing in our Bibles? Why is it here? Well, the easy and obvious answer to that is because God put it here. The scriptures are God-breathed, um, so make no mistake about it. It's here because God put it here. God was not selective um, with his, his truth, only acknowledging the good things that were said about him throughout history and kind of ignoring the pain that people felt or even the, the disappointment that they felt towards him. And so because of that, he gave us Psalm 88. He gave us, his people, this Psalm, Psalm 88. And these are not the words of an unbeliever um, who doesn't trust in God. If that were the case, um, I guess kind of just explaining this psalm away, it would be easy. But these are, in fact, brothers and sisters, the words of one of God's very own children, uh, the words of one who has entrusted their very souls to God himself. In verse 1, we see that truth. The writer says, O Lord, my God. Or, O oh Lord, God of my salvation. Look back, Lord, all capitals. The covenant name for God, Yahweh, this is a believer, no doubt, part of the covenant community. So God gave Psalm 88, let's be clear, to his people. And he gave it to his people because sometimes... The pain, feel the weight of this psalm. The pain is too deep. Sometimes the hope is just running out. And brothers and sisters, sometimes the darkness, it remains for a very, very long time. And God understands. Without a doubt, God understands. So the beauty of this psalm and the assurance that it can give to us, as dark as it may be sometimes, for as long as that darkness is there, the assurance is that God doesn't just hear the prayers of his children when they pray right or when they pray in the right circumstances. He hears us when we are unstable, and he hears us at our lowest point. He hears us in all of our pain, and in all of our confusion, Psalm 88. And this is what I think, uh, this is my aim. This is what I think it is that we can learn from such a psalm, such a dark psalm as Psalm 88, that God hears us. That is the truth. God hears us. There was a commercial that aired, um, I don't know, sometime last year maybe. Um, a father, and there were multiple versions of the commercial, but um, 
on one of the commercials, a, a man walked in and he was sick. He had a thermometer in his mouth, um, a cooling pad on his head, and he, he's speaking. You don't see who it is that he's speaking to. Um, all you see is him from that point of view. And he's asking if, it's as if he's talking to his employer, and he's asking, you know, can I, can I take a sick day? Can I take a day off? But then the point of view changes, and they show it, who it is that he's talking to, and it's actually his, um, there's a baby in a crib that he's talking to. And it was going to make the point that in parenthood, there's no days off as a parent. And as a parent myself, um, I know that truth. I know it very well. They inconvenience you at the most inconvenient times, sometimes with the most inconvenient requests, things that may seem irrelevant to us as adults. But for them as children, um, it means the world. And I've, le I've learned, and I try to be intentional um, about no matter what it may be, um, to just kind of hear them and give an answer so that they know that I hear them and acknowledge them. Um, because it goes a long way. And so, brothers and sisters, Psalm 88, and I don't, and I, I pray um, that we don't lose um, the backdrop in which the psalm is written. It's out of that darkness and that despair, which is prevalent just by reading. Um, but I want us to also understand that in this, where there's no other good to be seen, um, the one main thing that we can pull, the grace that we see displayed here is the truth that as small as it may be to God, a God who created everything and holds up everything, it means the world to us to know that God hears us, right? And three examples of when he hears us. Number one, first, he hears us when we're complaining to him. That's what the writer first shows us, that God hears us in our complaining. Now, for me, the past two years have been um, very trying years, um, very rough. And I've learned, and it is maybe, may, maybe even um, ha if I look back, I kind of see it even before those two years. But I was so weary that it, was e it became so easy to complain. The turmoil, there was plenty of it. Um, the stress and anxiety, the weariness it made it very, very easy to complain, and as I look back, even in those times, I noticed the people that I would complain to, um, it, would become a bur it would become burdensome to them. And they would sometimes just, you know, not intentionally, but not, they'll show that their, their tiredness. And they, they didn't want to hear me, understandably so. Because in this world, we're taught and even in the church, we're taught that we're to, we're to dwell on those things that are admirable and those things that are good. Think on those things and not to complain. And so many times we come in and we ask, how, how's it going? And we kind of have to bite back the complaints that are right there because we're taught to say, you know what, I'm hanging on, I'm, I'm holding on. And it became easy to complain. And it's good to know that even in a world where, where it can be a burden for many and we're taught not to do it, brothers and sisters, there, there, there's God who's there, who is above it all but understands. If nobody else does, he understands and he hears us even in our complaining. Verses 1 through 5, starting with the second half of verse 1, the writer says, I cry out day 
and night before you. This is an everyday thing. The turmoil is plenteous. The darkness is prevalent. So much so that it's day and night that I'm now complaining. Not just once a week. Not just every blue moon or once a month. But day and night constantly. In verse 2, he says, let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. My family's tired of hearing me. My friends, they can't bear the burden of my complaining anymore. But God, the darkness is so real. The turmoil that I feel is so real. Please just hear me. Listen to me if nobody else will. Verse 3, for my soul is full of troubles and my life draws near I'm at the point of death. God, hear me. How's your day, brother, sister? He lays it all out. It's not a good day. My life isn't happy. Everything's not well. I'm not holding on. I can't hang in there. There's trouble. I'm to the point of death. Verse 4, I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I'm a man who has no strength. Brothers and sisters, we call it complaining, and, and to God, he, he, he is, he's letting out this complaint. But again, the backdrop in which this psalm is set, it's the reality that even God's people, we experience some of the darkest moment. And Psalm 88 is here to show us that even as covenant children of the Most High God, we, we sometimes get to points that some people may not understand. We get to points of true turmoil. And, and, and our darkness, our pain, our hurt is relative. It, it differs from person to person. I've known people who have lost a loved one. And, by the, and they're, they're, they're strong and they're strengthened in God's grace. And it manifests itself. And they say, you know, I know it was God's will. I know that he's still on the throne and he's still good. But brothers and sisters... Because of their strength and their experience in that, we, we cannot discount the person who it's been 10 years, 15, 20 years since they lost their loved ones. And they say the pain still hurts. I still feel it. And it is out of this. It is out of this that saints may sometimes go to God in what some may hear as complaining. But he hears us. He hears us when we complain. But secondly, the beauty of such a dark psalm and the grace that we can pull from this psalm where there is hurt and nothing but pain, no light at the end of the tunnel. It ends with darkness. The grace that we can pull from this, secondly, is the fact that God hears us even when we blame him. Now, I know that that's not um, a theologically responsible thing to say. It's not a theologically responsible thing to do. And according to the scriptures, it's not accurate. Right? We may say, who can blame God? Right? I know the word. I know the doctrine of concurrence where God is at work, but even as his will is being worked out and his providence is guiding everything that happens in this earth, I know that at the same time, man is working freely and acting out his will. And the two go together in a mysterious way that I, can't, that I can't explain. But I know that theologically, that is the truth. Who can blame God? And we can come up with all these extravagant ways 
of detesting the idea of blaming God, but that's missing the point of the second point. How often are we wrong? Very often. Even the blame God, we're quick to do it. We're, we're wrong often, but the point that's being made here is that even if we're wrong, even in our blaming God, he hears us. How compassionate of a father. How grace, gracious a father. Verse 6, hear the blame. Hear how the tone switches from that of complaint to now, you know what, blame. And remember the backdrop of the darkness that this writer is writing in. Remember, th this psalm doesn't explain exactly what's going on in the life of this writer. Sounds like Job's story to me as I read it. But that gives us freedom to kind of put ourselves in here. Whatever your darkness or your pain may be. Insert it there. In verse 6, here's, here's what he said. The tone switches now to blame. Blaming God. You have put me, you have put me in the depths of the pit. In the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me. And you overwhelm me with all your waves. Verse 8. You have, you have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. God, my eyes grow dim through sorrow. He's blaming God because the pain is so deep and there's no more hope. And it's been dark for a long time. And he thought that if I just prayed enough, the darkness will subside. Peace will overcome me and will overwhelm me. But that wasn't the case. And he goes from complaining to God to blaming God. You know what? It's because of you that I'm in a situation. You hold the keys to life. You ordain everything that happens. You're the one who put me here, and you're the one who can get me out. Why haven't you? Brothers and sisters, even in that, the grace that we have here is that God still hears them. God doesn't turn them away. God doesn't exile him. God still hears him. He hears us in our complaining. He hears us in our blame. And again, the context of this is because Christians experience real darkness and real pain that drives us to those depths. But God is there and he hears us all along. And that takes us to a third instance in which God hears us, where the tone again shifts in verses 10 through 12. And as God hears us in our complaining and even in our blaming, brothers and sisters, God even hears us in our sarcasm and sometimes our irreverence towards him. It's a scary idea. It's something that in our right minds we wouldn't think to do, but brothers and sisters, sometimes the pain Psalm 88 shows us is so deep. And the writer tone changes again now from blame to this time just being sarcastic, maybe almost even disrespectful towards God. In verse 10, listen to him. And he ends verse 9 by saying, every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Here I am. What are you doing? And in verse 10, the tone changes. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon? He's going to say, God, I'm almost at the point of death. 
and I want to serve you. Do you work wonders for somebody who's, if I'm dead, can you work a wonder for me? Why aren't you getting this thing fixed? Sooner, I'm, I'm almost dead. God, I want to I go out and I want to declare your glory. Is your steadfast love declared in the grave? Can I evangelize if I'm dead? Why aren't you working? Verse 12, are your wonders known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? God, if you want to be glorified, change my situation. And then I can tell people all about it. And God, you will get so much glory. Can you not? Does that not make sense to you? And we're driven to that point, brothers and sisters, because the pain in Psalm 88 is a real pain that we experience that sometimes is so deep. Yet in our irreverence, if it drives us to that point in our sarcasm, we have a God who is gracious and merciful and he understands and he allows it and brothers and sisters as wrong as it may be he hears us he hears us blessed is the person who knows a friend a minister a pastor who have themselves experienced such depths that they can relate and instead of being judgmental they can have so much compassion for a person who has gone through some of the most darkest seasons in their life, who have dealt with turmoil and, and, and uh, all of the problems and, and um, things that life has to offer and be heard. God hears us. As dark as Psalm 88 is, it's there to remind us that like no other psalm, all the other psalms end on a good note. Even if the beginning is rough and dark, there's, a, there's, a, a, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Psalm 88 ends in darkness because the darkness may last a lifetime. And even and in that, it sometimes drive, uh, drives us. The good thing is that he's, praying, he's going to God. He's a child of God. His salvation is in God. He recognizes that. And he goes to God to pray and to complain. And he blames God. Maybe even get to the point of being irreverent. But all the while, God's grace is seen in the fact that God hears him. He listens. And he understands this pain. And so we know that he hears us in all of our complaining, our blaming, our irreverence. But now let's understand why. And I want to shift as we close verses 13 through 18. I want to read that and, and, and we'll shift our point of view from the writer to someone else. Verse 13, but I, O Lord, cry to you. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I am helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. You have caused my beloved, my friends to shun me. My companions have become darkness. Now, out of um, the mouths of the writer, even ourselves, I think that these words are a bit exaggerated uh, despite the truth of how dark life can get. 
Some of what is said is just, again, a big exaggeration. But nevertheless, God, like a good father, he entertains our exaggeration. And there is comfort in that. But there is one son of God who could have rightfully said all of these words. And he would have been fully justified. He was fully justified in saying them. Brothers and sisters, do you see Christ lifted up on the cross? Moaning these very words as the father turns his ears and turns his face from Jesus in order that when you and I cry out in complaint and in blame and in irreverence, he would hear us. Do you hear Jesus saying these words? And when you hear Jesus saying these words on the cross, is it more fitting? He hears us because Christ truly experienced silence, the silence of the Father on our behalf so that God's children, us, you and me, could have our Psalm 88 moments. And they will come. For some of us more than others. Let's remember that it's relative to each person. I pray that our own dark experiences give us uh, the compassion to bear with our brothers and sisters, um, but to also know that God gives us these moments, and it's been won by Christ. We have a Psalm 88, which sounds like complaint, which sounds like blame, which sounds like irreverence, only because Christ made this possible. The words spoken here were truly spoken and experienced by Christ, so that in these moments, we would have full assurance that God would still be our God. And that's why it's here. So that even at our darkest moments, we would still have a reason to trust in God. Because we see Christ uttering these words. And as far as God feels from us, brothers and sisters, we will be encouraged to know that he hears us. So through our darkness that may last a lifetime, it's my prayer that we would know that God hears us. He hears our complaints. He allows our blame and our irreverence. And I pray that that would be a picture of his grace, that even in those dark moments, if they last a lifetime, we'll know that his grace is right there with us for a lifetime until he calls us home into glory where darkness will reign no more. May that be our encouragement. Amen. Let us pray. Our gracious God and our heavenly Father, Lord, we bow before you now, giving you honor, thanks, and glory. Thanks, Lord, that when um, even people may not understand us, and we may not understand people, we have a God who does. And we may go about it in a way that is theologically inaccurate, in a way that is by all of your teachings, not right. God, you don't cast us away from you because of the turmoil we experience and the low points that we get to, Lord. Some so low that some, even, even pastors, have taken their own life in suicide because the, the point is the darkness has been so dark for so long. You hear us. You give us our Psalm 88 moments. 
And in a psalm full of darkness where there is no light, there is no hope. You still show us that there's grace there. That there is reason to have hope if we need it. And if we don't get there, if we have a day where though the grace is there, we still may be down, Lord, you hear us, you love us, you bear with us. God, use this in all of its darkness to show us your mercy, to give us hope. To let us know that even if it is dark until the last hour of our life, you are there. And that is reason enough to rejoice. Nevertheless, God, we trust you to do good by us, by your will, through your spirit. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. And amen. Amen. Please, let's all stand for our benediction. Amen. Now receive the benediction. Now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Let all of God's people say, Amen.